Hello and welcome to Fast Charge, the weekly smartphone podcast from the team at TechAdvisor. I'm your host, Don Preston, joined as ever by Henry Burrell and Lewis Painter. Hello. Hello. How are you guys doing? I feel like it's been a while since we've actually had this app because I wasn't on the show last week. Um, funnily enough, I was never going to be on the show last week because I was meant to be at a Motorola launch, which we're going to be talking about. As it happens, I wasn't at a Motorola launch and I wasn't on the show because I was out sick <laughs> for days. Um, and I wasn't on the show before because we had Eva. So it's been weeks since I've been here, here chatting yeah. with you guys over Zoom. How's it been? Welcome. Yeah, phones never <laughs> stop. Um, yeah, we went to Berlin. We came back. You uh, took the took the hit for everyone. Um, took all the germs. Back Someone had to get sick. <laughs> yeah. It was it was a dice roll, but yeah, that's been good. We did Apple last week. Well, so we'll only do minimal Apple this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, all the listeners have been saved me. Like you know, just getting annoyed and ranting about Android features that have been there for years, <laughs> and Apple are announcing a new and grumble, grumble, grumble. Old man yells at Sky. Um, Jeremy so... Clarkson of tech <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, okay so let's get straight to what we are talking about today so we are going to be talking about Motorola they uh, launched just a few hours after the show last week otherwise we would have chatted about it then maybe uh, but they have launched some new Edge 30 phones uh, the Motorola Edge 30 Ultra Edge 30 Fusion and Edge 30 Neo um, these join the existing Edge 30 and Edge 30 Pro. So this is becoming a burgeoning lineup for this year. Uh, these are also the phones that were launched in China, or at least two of them are. There's the X30 Pro and S30 Pro. But we still have no sign of the Razer in the West. So we're no. keeping our eyes peeled for that. I was kind of hoping we'd see that last no. week. Um, yeah. So we'll be talking about the Motorola phones. We've actually had all three come in, but we haven't had much time yet to test them. So I do have the Ultra in my hands, but I've only had it for a day or so. So I'll have some early thoughts on that and some very early taking them out of the box and fitting with them thoughts on the Fusion and Neo, which I haven't really used. Um, then we're going to turn to iOS 16, which also I've not used in the slightest, but Henry and Lewis have both uh, updated their iPhones to the latest version. So in the absence of any iPhone 14s, though we have just heard today that ours are on the way, uh, we are going to be talking about iOS 16 and Henry and Lewis's thoughts from playing around with it for a few days. And I think this is an especially, especially interesting year to talk about that, is especially when you're looking at a regular iPhone 14, in a way the biggest upgrades this year are just on the software side. So if you're an existing iPhone owner, you're already getting a lot of best perks of this gen. And so that's really worth working through. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we're going to talk about the Vivo V25 Pro, which Lewis has been reviewing and has finally finished in a bit of serendipitous timing just as the regular V25 goes on site in India this week. Uh, So we're going to be chatting about that. We've also had a freelancer run a review of the V25, which I gave a skim over, talking a bit about how we think those two phones line up um, with color-changing rear designs, which is kind of fun, um, but a kind of shift in Vivo's strategy for that V series, which we thought we knew what it was and we're not so sure anymore. Before that, let's run through some little bits and pieces of news for the week. So first up, uh, in looking ahead to the phones of next year, uh, we've had our first renders appear of the OnePlus 11 Pro. These come from OnLeaks, who is usually pretty reliable about giving us not an exact look at what the phone will be, but a pretty good sense of the rough space we can expect it to end up in. He says it's based on early prototype hardware. Basically, the big things to take away are It's a big, round camera module, apparently, this time. OnePlus is going back to a circular design, which it did once before on, I want to say, 70 
was the one with the big round camera. Yep. It was one of the T's. Um, but yeah, we've got a big round camera again, though it's still got a little bit of that kind of strip that wraps around the edge of the phone. Um, people will be happy to see a Hasselblad logo on the back because we didn't get that on the 10T and also an alert slider on the side. So it does look hey. like the pros at least will be keeping the alert slider, which is what OnePlus said, but you know, we, it's nice to get a little bit more verification of that. Um, still big question marks with the OnePlus 11 over whether we're getting two phones on or not, because obviously we only saw a 10 Pro this year, then a 10T later on, but we never got a regular 10 and we're not entirely sure for the 11 if that's going to be the same and if this is just going to be the model now we may may see a regular 11 we may not on leaks didn't mention one we've seen no renders of one so still a big question mark there around what that lineup is going to look like um another big leak uh, not actually a phone but i'm going to pass over to lewis for this one um but the meta quest pro which is one of the upcoming vr headsets someone just took a few snaps in a hotel room which uh <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's it's... meant to happen in the product launch no. cycle. Just a month before no, the announcement, is. someone gets a what looks like a pretty final unit in a pretty average-looking hotel. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the motherload. Like they found like an engineering unit, but with full retail packaging. Like it was fully boxed. Yep. Like it was it was fully boxed and ready to go. So yeah, whoever's popped into this hotel room just thought, well, let's take <laughs> some. It's a, there's a full video where you can go through the take out everything, show you controller, show you the headset, and all that. Um, and yeah, I don't think Matt's very happy about that because they've managed <laughs> to keep things relatively under wraps until this point. There's been a few little leaks here and there, but it's mainly on software. It's not yep. really hardware related. So yeah, this is no doubt going to hit Zuck. Does does our look <laughs> at the hardware tell us anything we didn't know or any kind of, you know, reveal about feature sets based on the way the lenses look or anything like that? Um, so the big thing that I noticed is that the, the HMD, like the front section of the headset, is a lot smaller than mm. the Quest 2. So that suggests that there's going to be some new optics inside that are more compact. Um, and the controllers have ditched the rings on top for tracking. Um, so they're a lot more compact as well. Um, but apart from that, there's not really much in there that we didn't already know. We've seen the general outline of the headset before in teasers and stuff like that. Um, and we know through um, confirmation from what Mark Zuckerberg said in, in interviews and stuff like that, that we know that it's got like hand tracking and mm -hmm. obviously hand tracking, but eye tracking and facial tracking for like um, social VR apps and stuff like that. But yeah. Cool. Well, we'll find out more in October because we do pretty much know we are getting a launch next month, so it's not far off. Yeah. <laughs> um, little oddity of a launch this week. Sony held a little stream that they teased a day or two in advance promising gaming related Xperia news. Everyone immediately got their hopes up that we were about to get some sort of surprise Xperia gaming phone PlayStation branded drop. Uh, obviously, it wasn't that at all. Instead, what they announced was the Sony Xperia Stream, which is an accessory for the Xperia 1 Mark IV. Um, and it's basically one of those strap-on fans that we do see for gaming phones, but then also with some streaming bits in because it's got stuff like a LAN port um, and a headphone jack. So the uh, pitch is it's kind of a helpful bit of kit for both cooling your phone while gaming and then exporting your image to other platforms and getting a reliable internet connection in and things like that. Um, it's selling, as far as I can tell, only in Japan so far, where it's about 160 bucks. Yeah, it's only compatible with the Xperia 1 Mark IV, and they're now selling them in a bundle as well. Uh, so uh, a niche within a niche, because it's fair to say that yeah. is not a massive, massive phone launch in the first place, and then a gaming-focused accessory for a phone that has never been pitched as a gaming device is really driving into the weeds but i'm sure there are some people out there who'll be pretty excited by that and uh it's at least interesting to see that we may see companies bridging that gap 
into the gaming space without going full gaming phone. And I wouldn't be shocked to see, say, Samsung also try and move into some space where it offered gaming-themed accessories without ever putting out the Galaxy Gamer or whatever they want to call it. Yeah. Um, other bits of phone news. The Aiku Z6 Lite has been announced for India. Uh, a phone that wouldn't be especially exciting, except for the fact that it is the first phone to be announced with a Snapdragon 4 Gen 1, which is that latest Ooh. generation of... Um, budget Snapdragon chips. The press release. So the phone is pretty be the cheap. One. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the phone is very cheap. It's uh, I don't actually have the Indian price written down in front of me, but it converts to about 175 bucks US. Uh, so this is a very budget device. But despite that, you're getting a 120 hertz display, um, LCD, not OLED, obviously, but still 120 hertz at that very cheap price point. Uh, I think it had a 50 meg camera. And just generally, like pretty solid specs across the board. So it does look like that chip is helping drive a couple feature upgrades that you maybe wouldn't expect to see at that price point. And I'm sure we'll see some more filter out into the market over the next couple of months. Um, And then finally, I don't really have a lot to say about these because I know nothing about action cameras, but we've had a double whammy of uh, the (laughs) DJI Osmo Action 3 and the GoPro Hero 11 both dropped almost at the same time. It's a little uncanny. I swear um, GoPro release the Hero products like every six months. They, it's just it's constant. How are we at eleven? <laughs> yeah, I think I looked at the nine in my in my previous job, and I feel like that was like brand new. Like, why do they release yeah. so many? <laughs> <laughs> there is a very steady stream. I mean, even here they've announced the Hero Eleven and a Hero Eleven Mini, so they've actually I mean, got yeah. Two so the Mini is going back to plus, like yeah. the session ones they used to do, right? So it doesn't have a screen. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So that the the regular Eleven actually has two screens, I think, and the Mini drops them both. Um, but otherwise a pretty similar feature set. Uh, the th- thing that I think is interesting about the DJI is that they've moved the Osmo name back into the brand because they had the Action 2, and now it's the Osmo Action 3, um, and they've dropped the kind of modular design that they used last gen. So I guess that just didn't work, and they've quietly killed that off and gone back to a much more straightforward action camera setup. And I'm hoping we don't notice. Uh, but yeah, if you are interested in those, go check those out because that's... Uh, a pretty big shake up to the action camera market when two of the biggest players drop their new flagships on the same day. Okay, let's turn to Motorola. Um, three new phones launching in the West. And I've got to say, I don't know how you guys feel. I know, I think now actually we've all seen them at least briefly in person. I am really pleasantly surprised by these three handsets, the Ultra, the Neo and the Fusion. Um Certainly, from a design perspective, for the price points they are hitting, all of these phones look really lovely. Um, I'd say the standout from that perspective is the Fusion, which is the £500 model for the, in terms of UK pricing. And that phone looks and feels like it costs a lot more than £500, mm. I will say. That oh, yeah. It. Yeah, I was quite surprised about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, yeah, looking at them, like, Motorola's, like, been such a sort of a messy brand over the years. Like, obviously, it's owned by Lenovo now, um, but it used to be, like, the number one mobile phone. It basically invented the mobile phone, right? So it's a huge brand, and I feel like since the original Razer, we've kind of lost a bit of the luster around that brand a little bit. And I think maybe, Mm -hmm. like, 2016 kind of time was a good period for the company, at least in Europe. My perception of it was, like, those G Motorola G phones were very good uh, quality at the time. They're basically Mm. a good run of in the budget and mid-range space where they were making some really good affordable devices for a few years. They were always our reliable bet. If someone wanted to spend just a few hundred bucks on a phone, we'd point them towards a Motorola nine times out of ten. They never really had a period of dominating at the high end. 
no. of the smartphone space since since you know in that over that decade period they've never really been kept behind and for a few years they just stopped bothering at all with flagships that's that's um, why yeah. these ones caught my eye because i know you've got the, the yeah. ultra there maybe you can speak to this as well but then like um writing up the news the last week uh i was just apart from the fact that it doesn't have ip68 which i think should be on a phone which is 750 quid uh, or 900 euros i believe but apart from that yeah, everything right. is like over specced in, in a good way it's like a 144 hertz yeah. screen which you barely ever see on something that's not a gaming phone snapdragon 8 plus gen 1 uh, I'm now reading, but yeah, 125 uh, watt yeah. <laughs> wired uh, charging, you know, just everything is like turned up to 11. Um, and for the price, yeah. if and particularly with Motorola software, which I also think is like really underrated for just how well thought out it yeah. is. And the, I don't know what they call it, maybe they call it the ambient display, where you can interact with icons on the screen without I double tapping. I have been loving the ambient oh, yeah. stuff. It's so this is the first motor I've had I've had in a while, and I just wasn't super aware of that, and then just realised on my always on display. Wait, I can just tap and hold on an app icon. Yep. And you know, I get on the always on display. I get the contents of that email or that WhatsApp message without having to actually fully open the phone, fully open the app, any of that. Really handy. No, I mean it's been a really pleasant experience for me with this phone. The the, the ultra arrived for me yesterday. I did some benchmarking and I put my sim in it today. But because I was so sick during the launch period last week, I hadn't followed the launch. I hadn't really been aware of what it was, um, except the price point. And so it's been this constant process of being really impressed and surprised by things the phone does, where I'm like, <laughs> oh, wait, there's an 8 Plus Gen 1 in here. Wow. And then I got to taking the charger out. And on the charger, it says on the side, you know, 125 in really big letters, I mean, like hyping it up on the actual charger brick. And I was like, oh, really? It's 125 watt charging too? Cool. And then checked and was like... And you get that charger in the box as well. You get that in the box. And then I was like, well, I guess that means it doesn't have wireless then, but that's fine. Then check. Wait, no, it does. It's got 50 watt wireless too. And, you know, and the battery is a decent size. And... and you know, I like I haven't put it through its paces in any meaningful way yet, and maybe I'll find that bits of it don't impress me as much once I, you know, properly use it. Or you know, I've got no idea how the camera performs, for example, and we'll talk about that in a sec because it's a big element. Um, but yeah, on paper, the spec list here is phenomenal for the price. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I like uh, if uh, I know it's confusing. Well, it's one of five Edge thirty phones, which is insane. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> if there's a fault I have, it is that that the line has gotten a little confused. Obviously. For us, not helped by the the different names for launches in yeah, China, though the average person will never know about that. But um, yeah, it, it's know. a slightly sprawling <laughs> Edge 30 lineup, and I wonder if these three might have been better suited being their own Edge 40 different line or, or Edge 35 or something. Mm. But I mean, um, yeah, I mean, do they have like things like a software promise? Because usually when you see a phone that's this majorly specced, and then you actually check, and they're like, yeah, we'll support this for like you know seven to eight months. Um, do we have any indication if Motorola are in it for the long haul with this one? Because they just tend to pump out so many handsets they get left behind. Yeah. That I'm not sure, actually. I don't know what Motorola's standing software update promise is. Um, some brands, have, like Samsung, has pretty much the same promise for all flagships or all phones mm -hmm. at certain price points. Motorola, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I, yeah. Um, I would apparently, it's three years of OS updates and four years of security patches. Perfect, the thank you. Worst. So, yeah. good. Yeah, not not the best. That won't match Samsung, but it's only a year off what Samsung offers, so you can't really complain too much. And, I, you know, I would still say most people would upgrade their phone within that three or four year period anyway, so I think that suits most people. But um, Yeah, for sure. You know, an extra year would be welcome, but that's pretty solid. Um, the design, I, I you know, want to pick up on again because I think... It maybe is hard to see a bit, especially because it's just a black model, but 
you know, this Ultra is very slim. It's got this nice textured finish on the back. It looks really nice. The hand feel is fantastic. Lewis has got the Fusion, which is even thinner and even kind yes. of better feeling. And, and it feels so nice in the hand. I can't, quite, yeah. I can't quite get over it. And I love the finish on the rear because it's so subtle that it just looks plain. And then you catch the light and it's slightly glittery. Yeah. And it's just, it just looks so nice. You've got the kind of, you know, the metal uh, frame to it. It just feels, the flat frame on the side just feels really nice. And the screen just dips into it perfectly like it's such yeah. a nice bit of hardware and and especially for that fusion because of the price at 500 that is yeah. an exceptional bit of design i'd expect a phone to feel this good when it's 750 900 euros but for that proper mid-range price that the fusion sits at i think it's going to be one of if not the best looking and feeling mid-range oh, phones at, at that state the neo is a, a little different the neo is a little chunkier um, not a lot but it's a little chunkier it's a little more obviously plasticky um, it's more colourful, which I like, and I really like the purple finish, which we don't have on us because it's gone off to a freelancer to review, but um, I was a big fan of it. The one main hesitation I have about the Neo, uh, which is a much cheaper phone, I think it's about £250, oh, no, sorry, £350, €350. Um, Design-wise, it has this odd touch where they've partnered with Pantone for the colour range, which is fine, but all of the, the Neo phone has on the back at the bottom a little Pantone logo telling you the name of the color of the phone. Um, <laughs> I think Very Perry was the name of the, the purple model that I, oh, I looked at. And when I first got out of the box, I thought, oh, there's a little Pantone sticker because it's a partnership. That's cute. Tried to peel it off. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's not a sticker. That's just oh, that's there. That's quite more obvious. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> there, isn't it? I've just looked it's at it. Really uh, it's really there. It's not enormous. Yeah. It's not like the half yeah. the phone is taken up by this. I don't, this mind, I don't mind it. It's just like having it's... Hasselblad or Leica on the back of your phone, isn't it? They've clearly paid. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people won't care. And obviously, because of the color thing, it is mostly the same color as the finish of the phone. So it's not too distracting. Yeah. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. But it is an oddity to be aware of. That if you see that, that is a permanent part of the design. <laughs> so make your peace with it. If you want the Neo. <laughs> One question I had about the um, Edge phones in general, and I don't know if you've used them enough uh, to answer this or not, but presuming they all have curved Edge displays, hence the name, but do they do anything with the software that's interesting, apart from just, you know, like looking nice? So on the name and the curvature, it's a bit funny there. When they started the Edge line, the pitch was it was their curved screen phone the first edge was them doing i think their first curved screen phone maybe yeah um they have lost that link because there have been some edge phones that are straight edged um i the fusion <laughs> and the ultra are both curved i don't have it to hand yep. to check but i think the neo was a flat, flat screen right, okay. i might be wrong because it's not right here um and lewis may know better than me because he's reviewed a few more of the edge phones but i know some of them have had flat screens before yeah so okay. yeah that that branding link they had that felt very smart has completely gone away. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I've only used this for a day, so I haven't clocked any anything interesting on the edges. Lewis, have you? Because you've used edges. I will say, before. I literally just unlocked the phone and I got off a notification about edge lights. Hey. Ah, um, so yeah, when, when the phone's upside down or whatever, when it's off, you'll get little LEDs strips down either side of the screen to let you know that you've got an incoming notification. Yep. Nice. Yeah, I'm always a fan of that. That's cool. Yeah. Though to be fair, um, with always on displays, I always leave my phone screen up anyway, so yeah. that never kicks in for me. But yeah, I can never bring myself to put my phone screen down, no matter what <laughs> phone I have. I'm just like it's always back first. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm never happy either way because if it's the back down, I worry I'm scratching the camera up. If it's the screen down, mm. I'm scratching the screen. So.
you got that little worry no matter what. Um, the interesting thing, arguably from a spec perspective, about the Ultra is the main camera because it is the first phone to feature a 200 megapixel camera. Uh, as I said, I have not tested that yet, so I have no actual thoughts. Um, I am naturally hesitant about that kind of <laughs> megapixel race. Um, a more pixels or more megapixels is not necessarily a good thing. Uh, it is a, from what I remember, it's a decently sized sensor, and so it's going to use non-binning to pixel bin, like nine pixels down into one. So it, I, I expect the results will still be pretty good, but that's going to be the big thing I'm curious about testing this is, does that main camera actually live up to any any sort of hype, or is it just all a nice big spec number that looks great when you're comparing spec sheets in the sh in the store, but doesn't actually convert to real real photography performance? I'm just interested to see what the 16 in one pixel binning's like. 16 oh, sorry, it's 16 in one. in one. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, yeah, 9 yeah. in one is from the 108s. Um, yeah, I mean, 16 I, in one is crazy. I think this uses the um, the Samsung HM1 sensor, which is the the first 200 meg sensor that dropped, and that's going to be kind of interesting because we're going to see a follow up to that sensor in the S23 Ultra next year, probably. So this will probably tell us a little bit about the camera performance we can expect from that phone next year. Um, when Samsung announced those 200 meg sensors, a lot of the promise was about that 16-in-1 binning and about the way it would dynamically bin to different extents depending yes. on light levels. And that in theory, it claims that will really help optimize low light performance because it will pixel bin to different degrees depending on the on the light levels. So, yeah, if, if it all lives up to the promise that Samsung suggests and that Motorola now in turn suggests, this could be a really big step forward. And Clearly, Samsung trusts the tech because all the leakers seem to agree we're going to see a 200 meg sensor in the S23 Ultra, which is obviously Samsung's camera flagship. But perhaps equally telling, it is not this sensor that Samsung's going mm -hmm. to use that time. They're going to use a, another generation of it. So I've got that, that little bit of pause. Um, I'm again, arguably more excited by some of the cheaper ones because I think what's really interesting is the Neo, which is the 350 quid, 350 euro one. Um, but that has OIS on its main camera. And oh, wow. I don't know if we've ever seen OIS go that cheap. I've never seen OIS at the 400 line, maybe down to 380, but 350 feels like it might be the cheapest OIS yet in the UK, at least. Yeah, good point. I'm struggling to think of anything. I don't want to say that for, for certain, <laughs> but either way, it's certainly <laughs> an oddity at that end of the market. And I think... That's been a big part of the difference we've seen in some of the recent mid-rangers that have had much better cameras than their rivals. Is It's the ones with OIS, certainly for low light, because that just is certainly what elevates low light photography immediately. And 100%. that is one of the spaces, I think maybe it's fair to say, over the last couple of years, Motorola's cheaper phones have lagged behind rivals, is camera. They've had pretty good software. They've sometimes had pretty nice hardware, but I've always felt their cameras were very, very average um, yeah. in that mid-range space for the last couple of years. And that's really where, say, Xiaomi and Oppo have come in and just really overtaken them in what they can promise at that price point. And, yeah, again, hopefully this is a sign that we're seeing Motorola really push push that mid-range budget market a little further in terms of what it can offer. It's probably down to the what they can do with the software as well. Like, I love what Oppo and Samsung, even to an extent, with their big old sensors do is they learn how to process it properly, right? And so that's normally yeah, really what exactly. we're enjoying when we actually see the final the final product. Like, you know, the new uh, iPhone 14 Pro as well. Is we, we, obviously, they're going to big up the fact that they've got the 48 megapixel sensor in there, but they're still binning it down to 12 megapixels for the output, which is what they've kind of been doing since like the 
iPhone 6s, I think. So, yeah, yeah. you can have the you can, yeah, you can have the hardware, but it's normally what the software can do with it um, before you actually see the photo is what counts. And that's a good example because I know, I mean, as from looking at a couple of the early reviews of the, the the 14 series and the 14 Pro, you know, some of the feedback I've seen is that in some cases the 13 Pro outperforms the 14 Pro camera, and it feels like that's not because the hardware's gotten worse, but that Apple has to is still learning how to deal with these new sensors that it's never used before yeah. and deal with pixel binning, which is not a trick it's ever used before in its cameras and all that sort of stuff. And that the software side of the 14 Pro and Pro Max in particular will probably keep getting better and those cameras will get better. But the, at launch, they're not they're not bad, but they're, you know, not really the step forward that Apple has promised. Um, again, mm. not from testing myself, just reading places like The Verge and, um, you know, MKBHD's video and stuff like that. So... Yeah, that's a great example of how the software side is, is a big part of it. And Motorola still has to prove its chops there, for me at least. Yeah. Um, Lewis, how did you find the cameras on the... Which Edge 30 phones did you review? I know you've looked at a couple edges. Uh, the Pro, I think the it was. There. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah. what's it called? <laughs> and I think, no, I didn't look the edge. Sorry, that wasn't it. I wasn't the Pro because the Pro is in the US. It's just the standard 30 that yeah. I looked at right. okay. um, a while ago. And then, I, and then I looked at um, an Edge from a couple of years ago when it was actually... That'll be it quite edgy yeah um but yeah i mean yeah like you say this the, the camera performance isn't bad but it's like there's nothing really that exceptional about it um and it has always the, the, the strength has always been in kind of well-lit conditions like once the the light levels tend to start going yep. down the, the quality tends to fall off a little bit um so yeah just to see them put so much effort into it this time is really exciting um and i'm just curious as to whether the 200 meg will allow you to do like a really nice digital zoom because um, that's one of the tricks of the iPhone 14 Pro line is to give yeah. the, a two times optical um, a, an original 12 meg output. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if there's any kind of zoom tricks that they can do with that all that resolution as well. Yeah, I mean that's especially because what the one thing they haven't done, although there's a triple rear camera setup, there's a two times zoom, but they haven't thrown on anything more serious in terms of zoom, any periscope, yeah. anything like that. Which again, for seven hundred and fifty pounds, I think is very reasonable. I yeah, wouldn't fine. really expect a ten times periscope at that price, but that is the one thing you'd look at and say, "Well, why would you spend another two two hundred on top of this price?" Well, the big thing you're not getting here, other than waterproofing, as Henry mentioned, is that proper periscope. But if they can figure out how to really leverage that high megapixel count to generate a decent digital zoom, you know that could be really impressive. That's actually you know another example of that. Is that's what the trick Samsung played with the with the S twenty and the S21, I think, where they slapped on an extra lens that they called a telephoto, but wasn't really a telephoto at all. No. It was actually just a 64 megapixel lens they cropped into. And <laughs> uh, they just used that as a zoom. So you can do that and get really good results if you're smart about it and if you tune the software right. So if Motorola has figured out how to use this very well, that could be really exciting too. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll be testing that out. I'm, I'm about to go on holiday and I'll be taking the Edge, Edge 30 Ultra with me so it'll be uh, put through its paces on the on the tough streets of New York as Ooh. I uh, see if it can you know, <laughs> I don't know, take photos of skyscrapers and stuff. We'll see. Can it do it? Um, last thing I, on these, I guess, I guess, especially since we've all kind of had at least some level of look at these phones in person, uh, have any of these actually tempted you guys into into these being phones you might want to try out? I know, Lewis, I kind of handed you the Fusion partly with a, yeah. you know, I hope that it might lure you into reviewing it when you're when you're not busy with iPhones. 
yeah, to be honest, now, I mean, when I looked at it on the website, when I saw the specs, I was like, yeah, it's a good phone, but I'm I'm kind of over mid-ranges. Like, they're mm. all generally the same. And then as soon as he passed it to me and we got it out of the box, I was like, oh, okay, this is different. Like, <laughs> yeah. this feels really nice. It's been on my desk. It hasn't been on the in the box, really. It's been on my desk the last 24 hours. And I keep looking at it like, should I? Should I? Because it, yeah. <laughs> It's just it's genuinely like a, a, an exciting prospect from Motorola in my opinion. I think, it's, anyway. I think you've probably um, just encapsulated yeah, yeah. maybe the issue that Motorola has, at least in this market, is that we or if we if we're kind of the target age or like if they're going for a younger audience um, in their marketing or what have you, like we're not the generation that is like enamored with Motorola as a brand. Like no. we came too late. I didn't actually have a razor because they were too expensive, you know, always wanted one. Yeah. So, and then like it kind of went away for a long time as, as like a brand doing exciting things personally during my like professional life. So for me, like I prefer looking at Motorola still at the budget end. I'm like, oh, they, you know, they can do things there. But yeah. then when I'm like Motorola flagship, I'm always a little bit skeptical. And I think that's not unfounded with what they've produced in the past at this kind of level or, or oh, 100%, to. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, interesting once we've actually reviewed them to see if they've they've actually made a step up because um, a little bit like Nokia at the, the higher end, like uh, again, a brand that is only <laughs> there in um, in license, not in not in actuality. They're kind of like, could, couldn't quite yeah. get to the, to the level of, well, let's be honest, um, companies with more money behind them, even though they are owned by mm. Lenovo. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, I don't have the I don't have the urge to look at a Motorola phone as much as some other brands, which is probably <laughs> probably not a good thing. You probably I probably should review one of the next ones. I'm a little surprised as part of that that they didn't launch the Razer alongside these as well. Though I wonder if they worried so that the surprised. Razer would just distract from the Edge 30s and no one would pay attention to them if if a Razer came out um, yeah. came out with them. But we know they. You know, we, we've seen the new Razer in China and we kind of know they're probably planning to bring it out globally because the first Razer foldable did did get that a couple of years ago and we're expecting a launch for that. So I, I wonder when we're going to see that because that will help, I don't know, reignite some of that excitement for Motorola as a brand yeah. maybe because obviously it plays into that nostalgia and, and they got that a little bit with the first gen Razer but it always felt a bit too prototypey. Mm. And yeah. if they can put out one now that gets talked about in the same breath as the Z, Z Foot 4, as a real rival to that and from what we've seen it it very much is um that could do wonders for them i think uh just before we move on we've had a, a curveball question in the chat from vc jester who i can tell from this question is uh, a fan of our sister channel pc world so uh if, if, <laughs> if you're a viewer or a listener who doesn't know PC World, do go check them out. Uh, but he's asked, will smartphone cameras ever get so good that Willis, one of the PC World team, won't need to strap on a crane while Gordon Ma-ung, you can guess, another one, uh, rants about the ride quality of a Honda Civic? <laughs> uh, which I'm guessing is fundamentally a question about smartphone stabilization, right? And yeah. that ties into that stuff about OIS being featured on the Neo. Um, I think we're getting there on phone yeah. stabilization we're not there yet we've seen a few brands and even actually motorola once pitched a phone as an action camera replacement there was a motorola something action um yeah. when they did that line of budget phones with little tag names after them all and they really had one lens that shot in a different aspect ratio and orientation and was really you know everything they were saying about it was this is an action camera i don't think that was good enough really the space yeah. we're seeing that kick in is People like Vivo putting in their gimbal stabilization. We actually saw a gimbal also pop up in the last Asus Zenfone. And then Apple has its own pretty impressive lens stabilization stuff that it's been working on, which yeah. is getting better and better. 
and it's and, also got a dedicated action mode for the new yeah. pro models as well right yeah and um, the driving force for that initially has always been about low light performance fundamentally and video and like basic video stabilization just kind of handle you walking down the street but certainly yeah as you say with apple having that mode in they're now they're obviously aware that once they've got this tech good enough for low light it will serve for action camera purposes the challenge you're going to have is all the phones good enough to handle it will be the phones that cost a grand and you maybe don't <laughs> want to use in the same settings you use an action camera or where serious stabilization yeah. is your concern. The best and uh, most kind of accessible use of stabilization, this is genuine as well, I'm not just like taking the mic, was in, that I've used was in the LG Wing, uh, which I reviewed for TechAdvisor. Right. I never got to use that. I'm very jealous. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah because of its strange, I mean, mental design. Uh, but you, you could hold it <laughs> and you had like a landscape screen on the top and you held it at the bottom yeah, and it almost yeah, felt yeah. like holding a GoPro or something. And they had uh, a combination of hardware and software stabilization mode that was genuinely very, very good. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm surprised we haven't seen that on, on other phones. Um, but yeah, I've seen it. Um, and it's just so difficult to do when the sensor is that small. You have to kind of back it up again with software, I reckon, to like kind of, which is probably what Apple's doing, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the same. Oh, yeah, whenever Apple and Vivo and these companies talk about it, it's always about this hybrid software hardware stuff. It's never a pure hardware. Um, I mean, even they're often like multiple layers of hardware stabilization and multiple software algorithms handling things as yeah. well. So yeah. there's a lot in there. But yeah, I think honestly, I think we will get to the point where high end smartphones at least can handle that stabilization as well as you would need from a GoPro or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're probably only a year or so off from them really being at that level. But the funny thing is, I think it will happen almost accidentally because what they're really trying to do is perfect low-light photography. And the <laughs> yeah. fact that it wouldn't let them put in a good action mode will be a happy accident on the side. Okay, let's turn to iOS 16, which you guys have been playing around with this week. Um, I have to admit, I was tempted to. I have an iPhone in the cupboard that I, I may also get out and, and give it the update just to play around because I'm a thing is... Everyone who watches and listens regularly will know I'm not really an Apple user. I'm not a big Apple fan. I am, as I said, yeah. the first old man yells at cloud, grumpy guy complaining about Apple doing stuff that Android does better and for longer. But iOS 16 is the first of their big software updates. I really looked at and said, oh, there's some stuff in there I really want on my phone. Yeah, it's really exciting. <laughs> the um, lock screen is the thing that's caught my eye, but there are a few bits going through yeah. this, this OS update that make it feel to me like a really significant jump for for ios how, how have you guys found it um i mean i suppose i probably should say it's, it's really stable and like you know some some initial releases of, of be off software updates before i've had problems with kind of bugs and stuff like that i didn't get spotted during the beta um development phase but for me anyway it's been running stable and the battery life's absolutely fine so that's that's a big i think that's a big win for apple more than anything because yeah they're the two things that usually go down year on year um especially when you're not running on the flagship model of that year what it's been designed for um, but yeah, I think it's exciting, uh, but it's, it's one of the things where it's exciting, it's an exciting update, but then when you think about it, you're like, what is the exciting update? What are the features? What are the five features that are like, wow, what, this is what makes it. And I can't really put my finger on them. It's just a lot of small improvements. It seems to just, it's just the quality of life update, um, more than just like a, a massive game changer. But obviously the one exception to that is the lock screen, which is now highly customizable. And, um, I think it's not just the fact that it's customizable. I think it's all the different photo effects and filters and stuff that Apple's built into the wallpaper system that really make it stand out from, from what Android offers, essentially. Um, one of my favorite things is that it can select, if you've got a photo of, of a subject, like a person or a dog or a cat, whatever, 
it can automatically detach that from the background. Um, and you can then change the color of the background uh, while leaving the foreground completely fine. And then you can also, if the framing is just right, it will pull the subject in front of the time for an extra depth effect. And that is my favorite thing. That yep. depth effect is just exquisite. And yeah, so um, there's a bunch of different wallpapers you can choose from. Apple runs you through, so you can choose the different types of wallpaper you can go through, but it also has like a curated collection of wallpapers that it's designed. Um, and some of the, yeah, so you've got different emoji yeah, you ones. Yeah, your own emojis, fun. which is quite fun. Yeah, up to six. And there's a few different patterns for you to choose from as well. Um, and then you've got things like the weather and the astronomy lock screens, which are really cool animated lock screens. Um, and then you've got really old school lock screens in Apple's curated collection, like really old school Mac uh, iPhone wallpapers. Like the, does anyone remember the, the green background with the bright orange fish? Yep, there we go. That is, I think that was iPhone 3GS days. If yeah, I that's an old one. I think it was, yeah. it's like legendary in Apple circles because it was on the advert, but then you couldn't actually get it on the phone or something like that. Right. <laughs> and yeah, so this yeah. is like a little Easter egg from Apple, which is quite nice. It's finally here. <laughs> and then, of course, um, the other part to the new lock screen is the fact that you can now have widgets. Yeah. And you can customize, uh, yep. so you can have widgets for both first and third party. Um, it can go beneath the timer, and you can put some above the time as well, but they're not quite as expansive in my experience. They're kind of more basic, just one-line things. Um, the widgets are fun. It's, it's basically taking the best parts of the Apple Watch and putting them on an iPhone, because the Apple Watch has all this. It has complications. Yep. It has multiple watch faces, and even the way that you switch between your watch faces on the iPhone is identical to how it's been on the Apple Watch. And now it's been done. I'm like, yeah, this makes total sense. Um, but it's just one of the things where they had to do it before. You're like, oh, yeah, okay. That works. Yeah. How how much of these lock screen features do you think we will see in Android, and which <laughs> will be the first OEM to nick them? That's a good question. Oh, that's a good I question. I think the difference here from the, from my experience using this um, is that the widgets. Can you even put widgets on an Android lock screen? Usually, Android always on displays are quite customizable. They're basically more so mm. uh, than on here with some of the things you can do. Because you are kind of stuck with the time, and you have to do it in this order. Yeah, um, exactly. But then yeah. here, like I've got, like <laughs> um, I realized that one of the early uh, third-party ones is I have a because if you tap on the widget, it goes straight to the app, which I don't think many Android phones actually yeah. do. Uh, here, this is like Facebook birthdays because I'm used to sort of remembering birthdays. Yeah, and so I saw yeah, that you one. Tap yeah, on yeah. That, I know whose birthday it is today, which is quite clever, and it has a number of how many. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, what are they going to copy? I think we won't go down this road. I think more Android manufacturers are going to try and copy the Dynamic Island as opposed to something yes, that we're going to see here. Yeah. One thing I hope they don't copy, and it's the one thing that I actually like the least about the entire iOS 16 update, is that notifications now come in from the bottom. Oh, I love oh, I hate that. it so much. They appear... Yeah. I know it's so Because like, I've got my wife pointing at something, which is now pointing at the time, which I think is hilarious. Um, but, <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, they come in at the bottom now. I've got it on Do Not Disturb. They appear here, and then you know when you, you scroll up, they all come in like that and i don't know it's just why is it at the bottom it looks like the os is broken maybe it's because we're not used to these things i mean and and yeah. like i it does feel kind of <laughs> unintuitive to me it feels the wrong way around because they're, they're yeah, like down kind of it's just you, wrong swipe, you swipe up to get them on the lock screen but then when you open the phone you swipe down to get them and then you have to swipe down to get yeah. them to disappear like it, and it's because we use a lot of phones like a lot of people just be like oh it's like this now and then they'll never think about it again um yeah but yeah that's that annoys me a little bit but in general and I'm, I'm going to speak as a little bit more of an iPhone generalist. I do switch between the two mm. platforms, and I know, Lewis, you're, you're more fully integrated. But 
I reckon speaking oh, as a more general user of iOS, I haven't noticed many things that are actually different day to day apart from the lock screen. And I know there are countless things right. that they've changed under the hood and also um, visually as well. The, the main one is that you can now put the battery percentage number back in the battery icon on a Woo. notched iPhone. Uh, you know, on like the SE yep. or whatever, you can you can still put it right next to it. On the iPhone 10, they took it away and everyone moaned and there were blogs and then now everyone forgot and they were like, <laughs> oh, it's great because I'm not anxious about my battery and you can only see it in control center, you know, when you swipe down. Now you can put it back in there yep, and yep. everyone, you know, you have the new cycle of it's, it's back. And then uh, now you've got the other new cycle of like, which Apple engineer thought it was a good idea to keep the battery completely full even when it's on like 38% and <laughs> because um, it's a difficult thing to animate and it would look too messy. So it only goes yeah. down to red and like depleted when you get to 20%. But apart from that, mm -hmm. like genuinely, like I kind of maybe noticed the day that the video player is slightly less cluttered yeah. and things like that UI. yeah so yeah. it's kind of a, a nice little and it's a clever from thing from apple to drop the lock screen at a time to make it feel like a really fresh update when it's one that is actually yes. relatively um incremental and of course it's in line with the new pro phones having the always on display as well which we haven't, haven't yet display. tested so yeah just to clarify for people the always on display is not part of ios 16 you will not get that if you update your phone to the new software only on the 14 pros yeah. not even on the regular 14s yep. yeah which is an interesting choice because as far as i'm aware there shouldn't be a hardware limit there no apple um, does this all the time but i know it'll be one of those <laughs> apple things where they just want to lock it to certain yeah. lock the feature the to certain 13 products, pro so, can you know 100 do this and it will never do this oh 100 yeah. yeah yeah it's a it's an interesting um, move so should we speak about, I just want to talk about one of the features that I don't really like. This was one of these really weird changes that I can't quite, I mean, I understand, but it's just still weird. Um, and that's the difference to the voice note system in iMessage. Um, um, because yeah, I use iMessage for quite a lot of text messaging and stuff like that. So I'm, and I'm quite, you know, I'm quite fond of, of voice noting. It's much easier than typing out long text. Um, you know, traditionally, that has been really easy to access. It's like WhatsApp and all the others where you've got a little microphone to the right of your You're talking about sending audio files right rather than dictation. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes. Sending it actual sending clips of voice your voice. Notes. Yeah. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, you can just tap and hold that and you can record your message, you know, speak your message, sing whatever it is you want and send it. Absolutely fine. Um, but that button is still there in iOS 16. It doesn't. It looks slightly different, but it does a completely different function now. Um, it's now for <laughs> keyboard dictation. Um, uh, and the voice recording system is hidden within the apps menu of, of the iMessage system, which is like two or three taps to now get to before you can record a voice note. Mm. Um, and that's a little bit annoying. Um, but on the flip side, I do like their new dictation system because they've changed it so that you can talk and type simultaneously. So if there are certain things that you can't um, say or it won't pick up properly, you can just type that and then carry that's on good. speaking. Yeah, the voice note move sounds odd to me. I, I have... I don't think I've ever sent a voice note in my life, so I can't say that I would care. But I know a lot of people who do. And, grubble, and, grubble, grubble. You know, I think the people who send voice notes, <laughs> old man tech, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the, you know, the people who send voice notes, like that's their, often one of their main ways of sending messages. And so, yes, exactly, it's something yeah. that is a single tap away and turn it into a, you've got to die through menus every time you want to do this. Um, and, you know, my, my, my girlfriend sends voice notes to her friends and stuff, and she often sends sort of a few in succession. You send one, you stop exactly, it, and you have yeah, another yeah. thought. And, and to every time, I have to go back into the menu and tap around to find it. it does it's very sound annoying. frustrating? It sounds. It's just even more odd because you you have you now have two dictation buttons in that menu. So you've got one right next to the the text uh, field, and then you've also got one in the bottom right beneath the keyboard. So it's there mm. twice. Why couldn't they just make one one and yeah. one the other? Just, yeah, that is weird. They must have some data on 
it's, it's like a mix, isn't it? But surely they've got data on how many people actually use that because like voice yeah. note stuff, I reckon, I mean, also anecdotally having been in uh, mainland Europe is a, quite a Spanish Italian vibe, like those cultures um, <laughs> and, and just generally, and it, like people I know from those places tend to use them quite a lot. And all of those people, yeah. even if they have an iPhone or on WhatsApp, right? Um, also Apple yeah. was majorly pushing its um, new, you know, as you, as you, probably alluded to uh, better dictation smarts in iOS 16. Yep. So it's obviously wanting to be more people to use that. Um, I've found myself using dictation a bit more just mainly because this iPhone oh, really? 12 Pro Max is so enormous. And like I'm <laughs> walking with one <laughs> hand and I've got like shopping and another thing and someone texts me. I've started speaking yeah. to my, into my phone, uh, which I've always never really yeah. done before just because it's, and then I'm like, oh, it's actually really good and accurate. I just have to say things like exclamation mark or full stop. Um, yeah, that's, that's the thing you've got to work in. I wonder how it works in America. It's fine until you start dropping those into your actual everyday speech. Yeah. And you're just talking to someone and <laughs> start dropping your punctuation around conversations. So it's quite good. Um, but yeah, I haven't really noticed that much else. But I will say, yeah, I, and again, on, on a phone that is a couple of years old now, um, and the battery life's already really good on these larger iPhones, but the battery life has not, oh, yeah. uh, not been tanked. Uh, by by the update, which is um, and I, I was running it on the beta. Now I'm on the stable one, and I've I, I've I've deleted the profile because I don't want to stay on this beta track now. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's quarter to five <laughs> in the afternoon. I'm on seventy six percent. It's pretty good for a two year old phone. Yeah, I'm on eighty six percent on my thirteen Pro Max. So right. Yeah, zero zero worries there. <laughs> That's good to know, because as you said earlier, Lewis, I think that's one of the big concerns people have, right, when they get these updates. Everyone always worries it's either going to make their phone slow or it's going to kill their battery. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a possibility that still might be the case for like iPhone 8. Yeah. It's like they're at the bottom of the list of the supported sure. um, spectrum. But yeah, for, for, more, for more recent phones, you know, iPhone 11 forward, I can't imagine there's going to be too much of a dent mm. in, in what you're expecting. Do you wonder if that might be part of why, I'm sure it's not all of why, but part of why they didn't want to bake the always on display into the updates that they didn't have people on five-year-old phones looking at this great new yeah. feature they turn it on and they kill their battery life <laughs> it drains it because yeah. like an already struggling iphone 8 with an always on display yeah. suddenly starts running out of battery in three hours time. and those yeah iphone yeah. 8s with lcd screens as well would be using even more battery wouldn't they? i was gonna say yeah yeah i'm quite surprised I'm, i mean i'm not surprised it's, it's totally an apple thing to do but i'm just disappointed it's not on the the at least the models with the super retina xdr displays like they're oled you can turn off the pixels <laughs> like yeah. just leaves a few of them on and well that's, that's i mean i don't want to get into it but that's the oddity of the way they're always on display works anyway isn't it because it doesn't really turn off the it pixels doesn't. it just yeah. dims everything no. but I, yeah. I think probably <laughs> for watch. them it is a question of you either bake it into the os and you give it to all the phones or you gatekeep it for the new ones and call it brand new exciting feature only in the new ones you've got to upgrade and i guess yeah. they don't want to be in a halfway house where they have this position where it's like well every you know iphones from 8 onwards can get ios 16 but only iphones from 10 onwards can get the lock the screen on feature yeah. the always on display sorry and, and maybe it's just an extra level of messiness and confusion they want to avoid and if it gives them an excuse yeah. to add one more tick box to the pros that tempts people into them that's mm -hmm. that's no bad thing from their perspective yeah um, I just want to say one more. I, think, I feel like we're going to move on from iOS 16. I just want to get one more cool feature in before mm -hmm. we before we move Shoot. on. It's not really been implemented yet because it's a new feature and developers need to take advantage of it. But they're going to have live updating banner with, uh, banner notifications. So instead of having multiple notifications incoming from from Just Eat telling that you've always been accepted and then drivers on the way and then all that kind of stuff, it's all just going to be in one solid banner at the bottom of the lock screen so you can track your progress. And the same with like Uber and 
stuff like that nice. uh, they've always confirmed the updates are coming they're just not here just yet yeah that's one of the features i remembered from i guess wwdc that yeah catch my eyes oh that's pretty cool actually rather than just getting your your notification tray flooded with updates from your your food delivery app or whatever which is yeah. definitely what happens to me um so that's the kind of small touch i really like and and i'm sure on the pro models we'll see more things like that getting drawn into dynamic oh, yeah. island especially and things yeah. like that and that's the kind of thing that excites me about that as a new bit of implementation for them though again that's not something you're going to get if you're just updating any other iphone yeah. um cool any last thoughts on ios before we move on uh from my experience and on a two-year-old phone it's been absolutely fine and i would uh, recommend people upgrade now <laughs> if you have like yeah, yeah like yeah. Lo said iphone 11 or 12 um, absolutely fine and probably if you are worried about your battery life it's because your battery health is low not because you've downloaded a new ios yes, update so exactly go and yeah. pay yeah. for a new battery from apple because they are generally quite reasonably priced and you should be fine yeah yeah cool all right let's turn to our last topic of today the vivo v25 pro and we'll probably touch a little bit on the regular v25 so the these are a pair of mid-rangers from vivo that are both out now in india as of now the v25 dropped this week pro came out last month which is when lewis got his hands on that um they're part of the v line so just for a bit of context and history vivo has treated the v line a little strangely um there was the v20 which I really, really loved, and mm -hmm. followed up by the V21, which is sensible. That's how numbers go. Um, Imagine that. Then they skipped V22 right over and dropped the V23 and V23 Pro. And the unifying thing of all of these, the 20, the 21, and the 23 series, is that these were very selfie-focused devices. They were basically mid-rangers where the one spec that really drew you in was the selfie camera. And it was in different ways. The V20, I think, at the time was impressive for having a 44 megapixel sensor, if I'm remembering right. The V21 was impressive because it threw in OIS. And the V23 and 23 Pro, their hook was having dual selfie camera arrays, which was the trend a while ago and kind of went out of fashion and they, <laughs> they, they brought it yeah. back for that. Then they skipped the V24 again. So we've skipped 22 and 24. Um, and now we're here with the 25 and the 25 Pro. What's odd about these is that they don't really have a standout selfie feature. So rather than nope. being this kind of selfie-led line, these are now just a couple of mid-rangers. Um, yeah. And I don't want to do them down too much because I think, from uh, certainly from what I've seen on the spec sheets, I think they both offer a decent amount for that price. But they're in this interesting space where they always felt like there was a hook to these phones, which mm. is you want great selfies and you can't afford an $800 flagship, buy one of these. And yeah. without that hook, what does the V25 Pro do to win you over, Lewis? That's a very good question. Um, so let's just give you a quick overview um, of what's different. Because when you look at them, there isn't a large, you know, there isn't a huge, you know, obvious change between the two. They look very similar. Um so apart from the obvious um, processor updates and stuff like that, we are looking at a slightly improved rear camera setup. So that's up to a 64 meg main snapper. Um, but the um, ultra wide and the macro are just fine, especially that macro. Who cares about macro bloody cameras? I, there's a rant section in my review about who cares about this damn macro I'm camera. I'm going to be watching um, out for your iPhone 14 Pro review then when you uh, wax <laughs> lyrical about the macro. <laughs> 
But yeah, when they're um, bad. So I yeah. Think, yeah. 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 No, the Mac. Yeah. I, I'm yet to see one on a mid ranger yeah, at least that's, that's any fair. good. And I, especially on the mid range price where you, you know, you are on a set budget, just drop that one out altogether, put a little bit more money into the main or the ultra wide and just make those a little bit better. But then, but then you won't have three cameras on the back, Lewis. No <sighs> one's going to buy a phone that doesn't have three no cameras one, on the back. Who wants a phone with just two lenses on the rear? Yeah. What are we, 2019? Pixel 6A leading the way. <laughs> um, so yeah, and, and uh, that kind of changes on the front as well. Like you said, Dom, um, the the previous gen had a dual selfie camera with, I think it's a 50 megapixel main and an 8 megapixel ultra wide. Um, the ultra wide's gone, no ultra wide whatsoever, and the front camera has been downgraded to 32 meg. Hmm. So it's definitely not a selfie phone anymore. It's just a phone. <laughs> um, and this is kind of it. Like it is, it is There's a good all rounder. Like for the mid range. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there we go. It's a phone. Um, it's yeah, it it can compete with the the Nord two uh, T and the Nothing Phone one, and to be honest, the Pixel six A um, in the performance. It's the performance is really good. It's got Dimensity thirteen hundred, um, and yeah, it I'm, was beating. I'm going to stop gone. you right there. My doorbell's just gone, so very unprofessionally. I'm going <laughs> to you go. leave. You do that. You do Dimensity, that. <laughs> what does Dimensity thirteen hundred? It's like stacks up against the equivalent Snapdragon, does it? I think it's yeah. I think it's like the seven seven six five G. Seven seven six. That sounds, that sounds right. Oh, I'm so bad with their processor names. Oh, they're all names, terribly named. Yeah, um, the one that the one that's in the nothing phone one is the equivalent on the yes. Qualcomm side. Yeah. And yeah, it does. It does. Uh, it's in line with it in the CPU, but it beats the nothing phone in graphics department, which was quite a, a nice surprise. Um, and yeah, just general performance is absolutely fine. It's got 120 hertz refresh rate, which is up from the 90 of the previous mm -hmm. gen. Pretty standard um, in the mid range at this point, I think, but. Still nice to see. Um, what I was quite surprised about was the battery yeah. life. Um, because it's got just under a 5,000 milliamp hour battery. I think it's like 4,830, something around that. Um, which is, you know, it's large, but it's fairly standard. Yeah. But in our benchmark tests, it lasted about 14 hours, 14 and a half Sweet. hours. Um, and considering like, you know, the, the flagship Samsung's last about seven or eight. I was like, oh, so you can, you know, that's a fairly decent chunk of time there. Um, and then you've got um, 66 watt fast charging with that. It's not the fastest, but it's pretty quick. It is what it is, and you get the charger in the box, which is I just I always sing that phrase now because you just don't get these fast chargers in the boxes these days. So yeah, you get the fast charger in the box as well. And so yeah, it's it, I mean it looks really nice as well. You've got the fun color changing rear that changes in UV. It goes on the Pro model. It goes from like a light blue to a dark blue, and there is just a standard black one as well. If you just you're yep. boring. But I mean, that is, I that? guess, the biggest hook to the phone, right? Is that color change in design. And it's yeah. not the first phone to do it. Um, yeah. We've seen it in some Realmes. And I feel mm -hmm. like somewhere else as well. I think all within the, the BBK uh, brand yeah. family. But yeah, yeah. They, are, they are fun. I mean, the thing that I think people maybe don't always realize when we talk about the, the color changing thing is one of the fun things about it is the effect lasts for a few minutes after the exposure. So one of the things yes. you can do is use either properly use stencils or just used objects you have around to basically create patterns because you can block the light from reaching certain bits of the phone, let the light reach others. And as long as you're in bright enough light, you'll then have this kind of pattern design on your phone that lasts for a few minutes. Um, Shame I did have a UV torch around somewhere, but I cannot find yeah. it on my desk right now. So <laughs> it's not the kind of thing you're going to use every day, I don't think. I don't think a lot of people are going to no. be going around, you know, doing different doodles on their phone every single morning. No, no, no. But uh, it's definitely a fun little thing to play around with. It's a nice extra feature. You could certainly imagine some people really latching onto that element of their phone and that kind of 
extra is, it, temporary customization. It is something that there's something really satisfying about just doing it and, and having that design there and, and the fact that it isn't permanent. So you can mess around and do what you want and just have a bit of fun and do different effects. Like I was having a little, I was having fun kind of just doing like a gradient on the rear. So really with the torch just thick at the bottom and then just kind of blurring out to the top. It's just mm. oddly therapeutic. <laughs> um, although I'm not, it's, it's, it's also in the same vein, very weird because it's UV reactant, which means it has to be in sunlight. And if there's one thing you shouldn't do is leave your phone in direct sunlight. <laughs> so, yeah. It's pretty quick though, right? It's just like transition lenses or something. You just go outside. And well, it is when you're using a torch. It's a little color. bit slower when you're just, oh, yeah. when you're just on. Yeah, it just doesn't out sort of about usually. change color as you take it out of your pocket or anything like that. No. It, it takes a little bit of uh, time, at least on the yeah. real me's that I've tested before with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is the, the standout feature of the design. Um, but on while on the design, actually, there is no official kind of glass protection that I could find anywhere. There was no mention of, of you know hardened glass or anything like that anywhere. Uh, there's no dust resistance. There's no water resistance. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little bit worried about this. <laughs> it sounds a bit fragile on paper. Um, but I mean, it feels nice in the hand. Like it, it looks premium. Um, there's a polycarbonate frame. So when you put it in the hand, you do realize it's not quite as high end as you might first think. Mm. But it looks, it's got, you know, it looks the part. Um, that is something Vivo is normally very good at, the, the hand fit. I remember when I reviewed the V20 and the V21 a couple of years ago, that was the, other than the selfies, that was the big thing that always jumped out at me about those was that for that price, in that same way that we were talking about the, the Motorola Fusion earlier, for the price point yeah. they were in, I always felt they were among the best looking and best feeling phones you yeah. could buy. Um, does that, would you still say that? Are they still kind of punching right at the top of that the spectrum for yeah, that? Yeah, um, I, yeah, the, the, I think it's still a really nice build. I think it, it, it just looks nice. It's a fashionable phone and the screen, you know, it's a really large display. It just, it kind of pops. It's just, yep. and you know, the bezels are quite slim for a mid-ranger. It just, it doesn't look like a mid-ranger when you first have a look mm -hmm. at it. It's only when you, you notice the polycarbonate uh, casing and stuff like that, that you go, okay, this might be a little bit cheaper than flagship. But even then, it's still, I'd still kind of peg it at 100, 150 pounds more than, than what it costs the equivalent is about yep. 380 pounds um it's not actually out in the uk it's only in india at the moment and to be fair um, you are getting a glass panel on the back because that's yes, the material that's are, changing yeah. color the polycarbonate is the frame but it is a glass finish i know that is actually sometimes divisive and some people would prefer plastic because of durability but you know if, if you do see glass as that premium feature you, you don't mind it paying mm -hmm. a little more for it's um there is a sacrifice to be made i suppose uh with the glass because <clears throat> i think with your v23 uh, v23 pro review done you mentioned that it was impressively thin and lightweight um mm -hmm. i think it was it was something about it being 170 grams and and uh 7.4 millimeters thick um it's gone up by 25 grams and it's two millimeters thicker this time so it's not quite the svelte right. slim line uh, that, is a shame. that it was before yeah, yeah. that was a big um, part of what i liked so much about the v series before was they were always very very thin light phones I mean, it's still like, you know, compared to the 14 Pro Max, which is about 240 grams, you've still got 50 grams less <laughs> yes. in this thing. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a, you know. <laughs> Bit of an extreme, it's, it's, extreme case there, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I find it fine in, in everyday use, but I feel like it's probably worth mentioning it's not quite as slim as, yep. as the previous gen was, and that was one of the hooks of it. Um, I think, you know, I think it is a really good contender for the, for the OnePlus Nord 2T and the Nothing Phone 1 in, in terms of hardware. But it's the software that's the big, massive issue with with the V25 Pro and just Vivo in general. I yeah. really, really, really hate FunTouch OS. I hate the name of it. <laughs> I hate the look of it. 
I yeah. hate everything about it. <laughs> oh, I'm I with just, you. Please, yeah. please, just at least change the brand name. I just, I hate it so it much. It's a bad brand name. I, um, I know, it's just because in China they have Origin OS. And that oh, A so sounds a lot nicer. better and B looks a lot yeah. better, but they've never uh, exported Origin to the rest of the global market. It's still all fun touch for the rest fun of touch. us. Um, um, yeah, so so the 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 fun touch OS twelve skin is is a lot different to kind of stock Android twelve. Um, yeah. You've got extra functionality, which is nice. Like you've got a, instead of your standard multitasking view where it's just one app and you scroll along, it's got like a grid view, so you can see multiple apps mm-hmm. at once, which is nice. And there are little things like um, live album widgets for the home screen and, and stuff like that. But for every one good feature, there are like five things you're like, oh, I hate this. Like, you know, things aren't where you expect them to be in the settings app and and the, the control center notification shade is different. It just mm. doesn't operate in the same way. And um, some of the features are, obviously it's not officially UK supported. Um, so there are some features that you just can't use. And it's full, full of bloatware. Like I'm talking multiple folders of, of hot apps and hot games and all the stuff that comes with Vivo phones in general. I was just, yeah, it was. That stuff I find yeah. very frustrating on the, the global Vivo models. Yeah, it's the bloatware and the ads that really do it for me because yeah. a, lot of, a lot of that also isn't uninstallable, at least on some of the ones I've tested. And you can go yeah. through clearing as much as you can, but there's some little bits of bloatware and adware that you just have on your phone forever. Um, it's worth saying, whenever I've tested a, a European release of one of their phones, you don't get all that. It's still running FunTouch, but they don't have all the bloatware and the adware on. They take out their smart assistant, Jovi, which yep. is good because people in you know, the Western Spot don't want to use a non-Google, non-Amazon, non-Siri smart assistant. Um, and yeah, you get a much sleeker, it still doesn't look like stock, but functionality-wise, it's closer to stock when they the European model. So if you are toying with a Vivo phone, as, as I said, these aren't out in Europe, but they may come out at, at some point, and other yeah. Vivo phones are out in Europe, you won't have as frustrating a software experience if you buy one of those. But if you're in Asia, or if you're planning to buy a phone from one of the Asian markets, and you get those global versions, yeah, the software is a hardship to use. And, uh, yeah. you know, pe- people, well, now I'm a big Vivo evangelist, and I, you know, I'm always singing the praises of the X80 Pro from a, from a camera hardware perspective. But yeah, that software side is always the one thing that stops me sticking with Vivo and, and using one of those phones all day, yeah. every day. And um, and and just to com- you know, just to add on to that as well, there's no software update promise. Um, yes. So yeah, you might be stuck on Android 12 indefinitely, while you know the nothing phone and, and the new 2T they're going to get 13 yep. and 14, and so you just yeah, you're going to get left behind. And yeah. if you're paying and, basically the same price, yeah. And you don't know, yeah. you know, the the thing with the promises, it doesn't mean it won't get any updates, but it just means you're taking a gamble. You don't know how many yeah. years of updates you're going to get, how many years I'll give you security patches. You will probably get Android 13. You'll probably get 14. Good odds you never see anything past that. Um, yeah. mm. But, you know, even 14 is a question mark. Like, I, I you know, I, you wouldn't necessarily want to put money down on Android 14 landing on this phone. No, I'm not confident about and that. When. <laughs> and yeah. that's, a, that's a big question. And when, exactly. You know, you may be getting, even if you get it, it might be six months after everyone else does. But that said, Vivo is actually historically been quite fast, at least over, the, I say it's already the last couple of years, they've been fast. So they're not normally slow to issue these updates. But yeah, you do, I think more and more, everyone wants the security of being told, 
you will get three years of Android version updates. Yeah. Um, and 100%. then you just know where you are and you know how long that phone's going to last you from a software side. And, you know, I think we always want to, I hope we don't harp on a bit, but we, we want to flag that software thing is, is something we think is a big problem when, when you don't get that promise. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I should mention the V25 briefly, because as I said, not, none of us have, have used it, but we just published today our review of the V25, the regular model. To be honest, there's not a lot to say that's different from what Lewis has said. It's a slightly lower spec um, phone. There's just some sort of, uh, I think the camera setup is actually very similar. I think maybe the ultra wide can be a little tweaked, but you're still getting a 64 meg uh, OIS main camera and a 50 meg selfie camera. So actually, it is a different selfie camera, sorry. It's high resolution. Oh, interesting, uh, yeah. Maybe probably a smaller sensor or something in other respects. I'm Maybe not it doesn't sure. have autofocus. The autofocus. Ah, uh, yeah, that might Pro. probably be it. Um, yeah. It's only a 90 hertz display, so you're getting a little bit of a drop there. Um, but and it's 44 watt charging, so it's a little bit slower and a slightly smaller battery. Um, but generally, the feeling our reviewer had on the, v, the V25 essentially echoed what Lewis said, which is, as an all-rounder, it seems very capable. It does a lot right. But for the money you're spending, you're always going to find a few other phones out there on the market that just do a few key things that little bit better than this one does. And once yeah. you factor in the annoying software and the software so support issue, it leaves you a bit kind of wondering, well, what's the reason to buy this phone versus exactly. any other? And there's no single compelling hook that makes you look at either of these phones and go... Uh, that's the one for person X. You should buy this one. You know, if the thing you really care about is blah blah blah, buy the V25, and that just doesn't seem to be there this year. No. All right, um, that'll do us for this week. Thank you to everyone who has been watching and listening. I am going on holiday next week, as I think I mentioned earlier, so I will be missing Ooh. yet another episode. Uh, but I'm sure Henry and Lewis will see you through these dark and troubled times. Uh, oh, with a bit yeah. of luck with some iPhone reviewy thoughts because we should have some of the 14s kicking around by Fingers that point. crossed. Um, so I will be back two weeks from now and Henry and Lewis will be here next week. And until then, thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and bye. Bye. Bye, guys.